Welcome to episode 217 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about September 2022. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and see discussions going on about digital currency, climate change, fossil fuels, green energy, or ivermectin, please share the TruthQuest podcast with your friend. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive into whatever piques their interest. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, BitChute, Rumble, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast, as a lot of rankings is driven by subscriptions rather than downloads. Also, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. The Queen of England died during the month. You would have thought that there was no other news in the world, given the way the alphabet soup conspiracy media covered her death and ignored everything else. No continuing COVID vaccine adverse effect problems, no economic problems. I mean, there's no inflation, there's no collapsing currencies, and there's no collapsing stock markets. And there's no interest rate hikes to report on. There's no war in Ukraine. There's no immigration issues. At some point during the month, I looked at my wife and said, holy shit, when are they going to put that woman in the ground? She was not amused. Speaking of ignoring real news, Joe, Kamala, and every prominent Democrat have reminded us over and over again that we are not in a recession, and inflation is zero, or just up an inch. Meanwhile, the published year-over-year price inflation remains at over 8%. Truth be told, if we use the same method to measure price inflation that we used back in the 1970s, the inflation rate is closer to 20%, depending on the products you are buying. Anyone who shops for groceries knows that. With price inflation that high, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates another 75 basis points, taking it up to around 3%. So let me get this straight. Price inflation is around 20%, and interest rates are around 3%. Yeah, that ain't going to help anything. What is the solution? Well, the Federal Reserve's plan is to cause major financial harm to the middle class, cause unprecedented levels of unemployment, and push mortgage rates back to historic norms, both in order to slow demand. The thought being, less demand will lower prices. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is employing supply and demand lessons learned in Freshman Econ 101. Less demand lowers prices, whereas more demand tends to cause an increase in prices. The Fed's solution to the problem that they created is to make the majority of Americans poor. I can hear some of you saying, What do you mean the Fed created the problem? Well, price inflation is caused by an increase in the money supply. The Federal Reserve has increased the money supply consistently over the last 50 years, since Nixon took us off the gold standard. But the on-steroids printing can be traced back to George W. Bush. During his eight years, the money supply doubled as the Fed printed money to fund the wars. Obama kept it going with another double. Trump sent checks to every American, and in comes Biden and a Democrat-controlled legislative branch, and he increases the money supply by almost 40% in two friggin' years. When I say the Federal Reserve is to blame, they are the ones who print the money. They buy assets like bonds and then electronically create dollars. 
So the Fed creates the problem, never telling Congress and the president to go screw themselves when they ask for more money, and the answer is to kill the middle class in order to fix the problem caused by society's elites. Back to being told not to believe our eyes when it comes to price inflation and the recession we are living through, prominent Democrats who consistently preach to us that we're not in a recession argue that the old definition of a recession no longer applies in the Biden era. A recession is no longer defined as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth and is now defined as a broad-based economic decline. I wonder if any of these headlines I collected during the month qualify as a recession. U.S. household net worth dropped $6.1 trillion in the second quarter, despite home values increasing $1.5 trillion. The world's second largest appliance manufacturer announces earnings collapse and inventory buildup as consumer sales plummet. Why are Walmart and other major U.S. retailers canceling billions of dollars in orders as summer comes to an end? And finally, checkbook economics. Household expenses rise $961 per month, $11,532 per year, while incomes remain flat. Yeah, we're not in a recession. Let's turn our attention to the latest COVID news. According to resident Biden, the COVID pandemic is over. Quote, the pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everyone seems to be in pretty good shape, end quote. Well, too bad tens of thousands of people are dead because they took the vaccine and hundreds of thousands are dealing with serious adverse effects from it. Thanks a lot, Joe. Here's a collection of COVID and COVID vaccine-related headlines from the month of September that were not covered on the CBS Evening News or on CNN. mRNA COVID-19 vaccine found in breast milk. Study finds COVID-19 vaccines not 100% effective. Six times more vaccinated people are in ICU and five times more are hospitalized. Long COVID-induced neuropsychiatric risk can last over two years. Over 1,000 reports of adverse events after COVID-19 vaccine in toddlers and babies. Embalmers have been finding numerous long fibrous clots that lack post-mortem characteristics. Record deaths in Australia from COVID-19 despite 96.4% of 16 and plus years old fully vaxxed. Unethical and up to 98 times worse than the, than the disease. Top scientists publish paradigm-shifting study about COVID-19 boosters for young adults. In the final bit of COVID news, we saw evidence during the month that the CDC passed misinformation to Facebook as the two colluded to prevent the public from hearing the truth about the COVID vaccine. Stay tuned on that. We're going to talk a lot more about federal collusion with big tech. Did you know that we are at war with Russia? That's right. No, we don't have boots on the ground in Ukraine exchanging fire with Russian soldiers, but we are definitely at war. Just look at the amount of money the U.S. has sent to Ukraine. Look at the equipment and supplies we have sent. Listen to Biden's own words from late last year. He greenlighted the invasion. Earlier in the month, Putin suggested under no uncertain terms that tactical nukes are on the table. Then Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, boasted on a CBS Face the Nation interview that Washington is providing him with $1.5 billion per month. Can any of you name one national interest Ukraine holds for the United States? Can any of you, given our discussion on price inflation and money supply increases, explain why the U.S. is sending one red cent to any foreign country, much less one that is fighting a nuclear-armed neighbor? 
Then Putin annexed an eastern region of Ukraine. This will give him the ability to say sovereign Russian territory has been invaded. Then someone sabotaged and blew up the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline leading from Russia to Europe. The alphabet soup conspiracy media quickly took up the Biden administration and the intelligence community's talking points that Russia sabotaged their own pipeline. As is often the case with these propagandists posing as journalists, instead of just parroting the leftist talking points, they might ask a simple clarifying question. In this case, they might have asked, why would Russia blow up their pipeline if they could just turn it off and starve Europe of natural gas? And what country had the motivation, opportunity, and ability to pull off such a brazen and difficult operation? Oh, and there is this little problem of Biden saying back in February that if Russia did invade Ukraine, the pipeline would be handled. Can someone, anyone, please explain to me why the United States government is hell-bent on instigating a nuclear war and not a single alphabet soup conspiracy media outlet has anything to say about it? Why are we not holding peace talks every week? The United States' southern border remains a mess as it remains essentially wide open. A recent report issued by the Federation for American Immigration Reform found that some 4.9 million illegal immigrants, or the equivalent of the entire population of Ireland, crossed the border under Biden's first 18 months in office. The group asserted that Biden's policies are tantamount to sabotage of federal immigration laws, particularly due to the incursion of lethal narcotics that are being trafficked across the border. Check out episode 143, The Truth About the Massive Voter Drive at the Border, for an explanation of why the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party are permitting such a massive influx of illegals. Oh, and get this. We found out that some of the 4.9 million illegal immigrants that came into the United States were prisoners purposely released from Venezuelan prisons and moved to the U.S. southern border. That's a far cry from the encryption on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your poor, tired, huddled masses to give me your murderers, sexual predators, and arsonists. That makes perfect sense when you understand that the left is trying to destroy this country. Continuing the discussion on illegal immigration... Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sent 49 illegal immigrants to sanctuary city Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. The governor of Massachusetts activated the National Guard and sent the immigrants to a military base. They were eventually removed completely from the island within 48 hours. The experience turned out to be a very traumatic for the rich lefties that live on the island, as well as for members of the Alphabet Soup conspiracy media. In their mind, they think the stinky people should live with the illegals, but not the rich liberals in the vineyard. It's no different than the defund the police movement. The same rich, usually white liberals, are all for woke policies like that and illegal immigration, so long as they don't have to suffer the consequences of them. It's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. They are at the top of society's totem pole, therefore the rules don't apply to them. Then, the governor of Sanctuary State, Illinois, issued an emergency disaster declaration over illegal immigrants bused to his state from Texas. Then, the mayor of Sanctuary City, New York City, Eric Adams, freaked out that the continued influx of illegal immigrants from Texas to his city were going to overwhelm his shelter system. 
Then two busloads of illegal immigrants from Texas were dropped off near Word Salad Queen and current vice president of this once great nation, Kamala Harris's Washington residence. Throughout all of this, the alphabet soup conspiracy media expressed outrage and pursued their usual character assassination of both governors of Florida and Texas. White House spokesman Kareem Jean-Pierre then alleged the governors are, quote, using migrants as political pawns. And she described the incident as reckless and shameful. Pay no attention to all those dead migrants who came because Biden told them to. Ignore the hundreds of thousands of deaths from fentanyl overdose directly related to the open border. Pay no attention to the female and girl migrants who are sold into sex slavery, all because the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, thinks that they import a bunch of poor people, promise them welfare benefits, and claim that the Republicans are going to take those away, they will vote for them. These people are the personification of evil. All they care about is power and control and money. All of this nonsense led me to post the following on Facebook. How is it that sanctuary cities like Chicago and New York, with populations of 3 million and 8.4 million respectively, and rich bastions like Martha's Vineyard, are pretending they are victims when border states send dozens of illegal immigrants to their sanctuaries? After all, the resources available to the border towns from which the illegals originate are just a fraction of those of the benevolent municipalities. Seems like the big, rich sanctuary cities are best equipped to handle the influx they often encourage. The FBI has officially changed its name to the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. As documented in last month's Month in Review episode number 213, The Truth About August 2022, FBI Corruption Confirmed, the FBI and the DOJ are nothing more than criminal organizations, the enforcement arm of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party. The agency is nothing more than a modern-day Gestapo working exclusively for the Democrats, or as Dan Bongino likes to say, they are Joe Biden's bouncers. The FBI continued their political persecution of all things Trump. Following last month's raid on Mar-a-Lago, at least 35 MAGA leaders and Trump associates were raided by the FBI. They aren't even hiding the fact. They are brazenly going after the political opposition of the Democratic Party. They know the alphabet soup conspiracy media won't call them out because they are nothing more than a propaganda arm for the Dems. They know the Republican leadership won't call them out because they hate Trump too. He kills their fundraising efforts. It's all about power and money for the Mitch McConnells, the Kevin McCarthy's, the Steve Scalise's, the Roy Blunt's, and the John Thune's of the world. With no consequences, the corrupt FBI and DOJ leadership will continue their lawlessness. Steve Bannon, one of the MAGA targets of the FBI, put it this way. The targeting of Trump and his allies is part of an effort to, quote, shut down all opposition political voices. The elites in this country have taken over and have assumed the same techniques of the lawless Chinese Communist Party, end quote. So who else did the FBI harass in September? Well, among others, Mike Lindell, the founder and CEO of MyPillow. While he was going through a fast food drive through in Minnesota, he was suddenly raided by FBI agents who, among other things, seized his personal cell phone. Why Lindell? Well, because he's a boisterous and enthusiastic supporter of Trump, and he runs ads on Fox News and on conservative podcasts. Oh, the horror. Last I heard, Lindell had filed a lawsuit against the FBI. The FBI's next target was a Catholic pro-life activist and author, Mark Hook. He was taken down in a SWAT raid with at least two dozen federal agents and 15 vehicles. 
What did he do? Oh, wait until you hear this. You're probably thinking he's a terrorist mastermind. His home is some kind of compound housing a dozen known terrorists. Actually, Hawk is the father of seven and the co-founder and president of The King's Men, a nonprofit group that promotes healing for victims of pornography addiction. According to his wife, Hawk drives two hours to Philadelphia every Wednesday to sidewalk counsel for six to eight hours at two different abortion centers. During one of these sidewalk counseling events, Hawk shoved a pro-abortion asshole away from his 12-year-old son after the man kept hurtling crude and inappropriate and disgusting comments at the boy. The asshole, who was not hurt, tried to sue Hawk. The case was thrown out in the district court in Philadelphia last summer. Are you waiting for more? Well, that's it. Are you surprised? This is the same DOJ and FBI that targeted parents who confronted their elected school board members when they protested CRT being taught in the schools. They were labeled domestic terrorists who were then investigated by the FBI. Why not go after a pro-life activist who shoved a low-life pro-abortion douchebag since the low-life pro-abortion douchebag shares the left's values and tactics, killing babies in the womb and violence and intimidation? We also found out during the month that a key source for the anti-Trump dossier paid for by the Democrats has confirmed he was on the FBI's payroll for years. Igor Danishenko, who provided information to the dossier's author, Christopher Steele, the Steele dossier, quote, was a vital source of information to the U.S. government during the course of his cooperation and was relied upon to build other cases and open other investigations, that according to his lawyers. The only bright side of this sad story in American history is that whistleblowers are now coming forward from the FBI. Congressman Jim Jordan says that at least 14 whistleblowers have contacted his office to complain about how partisan politics has infected the Bureau and turned it against conservative Americans. Allegations include silencing investigations of Hunter Biden's laptop, manipulating crime statistics, violating law-abiding citizens' First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. Recently, one whistleblower, Steve Friend, alleged that the Bureau is under orders to inflate the number of domestic terrorism cases in lieu of child sexual abuse material investigations that were, quote, no longer an FBI priority, as they should be referred to local officials. He also argued that the Bureau is violating policies in its investigations into the January 6th Capitol breach. Friend was suspended after his name was leaked to a media outlet. Another whistleblower, Kyle Serafin, appeared on Dan Bongino's podcast. He said that thousands of agents and employees feel betrayed by the Bureau's leadership. He went into great detail about how the FBI has evolved from a law enforcement agency to an intelligence gathering operation that spies on law-abiding Americans to help advance a political agenda. That's a big deal, folks, because a law enforcement agency opens cases and closes them. Intelligence investigations, theoretically, could never end. The whistleblower explained how agents are incentivized to paper the file, meaning once you are on their radar, you may never come off of it. You are basically under constant surveillance for no other reason but to paper your file. Serafin explained how agents are routinely directed to spy on Americans with little or no basis. So the FBI ignored the decades-long sexual abuse of the U.S. women's gymnastics team. They ignored Hunter Biden's laptop. They planted assets on the ground during the January 6th protest to agitate the crowd and encourage them to enter the Capitol. 
They set up the dumbass guys who, who plotted to kidnap the governor of Michigan. They terrorized concerned parents. They raided Trump's residence. They arrested a pro-life dad in a SWAT raid. They regularly lied to judges and magistrates and the FISA court in order to secure warrants. And they persecute Trump and anyone remotely associated with him. The DOJ and FBI need to be defunded and dismantled. Longtime listeners of this podcast won't be surprised by my reasoning. It isn't because they are obviously a criminal enterprise now. Nope. They need to be disbanded because those agencies are unconstitutional. There is no power granted in the Constitution to the federal government for law enforcement. There is no power granted in the Constitution to the federal government for law enforcement other than counterfeiting, piracy, and felonies on the high seas. Nothing about bank robbery, kidnapping, domestic terrorists, violent crime, cybercrime, or white-collar crime. All of that can be handled by the states. Every state already has a State Bureau of Investigation or a similar agency. If the states want to or need to coordinate amongst themselves, they can set up some type of joint task force and share their data. No federal involvement is needed. Federal involvement is an obvious overreach of the powers granted to the federal government by the Constitution. Speaking of violating the Constitution, a slew of stories and evidence came out during the month demonstrating how the federal government has been colluding with big tech to censor all things COVID. Probably the most salacious bit of info came from documents revealed as part of a preliminary discovery in a lawsuit levied against the government by attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana. The evidence demonstrated that there is a massive, sprawling federal censorship enterprise involving more than 50 officials in President Biden's administration across a dozen agencies that have been involved with efforts to pressure big tech companies to crack down on alleged misinformation. Jenin Yans, a lawyer with the New Civil Liberties Alliance, who is representing some of the plaintiffs in the case, said in a statement, quote, If there was ever any doubt the federal government was behind censorship of Americans who dare to dissent from official COVID messaging, that doubt has been erased. The shocking extent of the government's involvement in silencing Americans through coercing social media companies has now been revealed, end quote. We are talking about a slew of alphabet soup federal agencies, HHS, DHS, the CDC, NIH, the Office of the Surgeon General, the Census Bureau, the FDA, the FBI, the State Department, the Treasury Department, the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, and the list includes numerous White House officials and Anthony, the fraud Fauci. Facebook disclosed that at least 32 federal officials, including top officials at the White House and the FDA, were in communication with it about content moderation. YouTube disclosed 11 federal officials, and Twitter identified nine, including senior officials at the State Department. It's quite remarkable how blatantly the feds violate the Constitution. Again, with no consequences from the legal community or Republican leadership, why not keep doing this shit? An international standards board has approved the creation of a merchant category code for gun retailers to identify credit card sales of guns and ammo. This came on the heels of pressure from left-wing gun grabbers and anti-Second Amendment types. This is nothing more than backdoor gun registry, which of course the federal government is restricted from doing. But what does the federal government do every time they hit a legal or constitutional roadblock like First Amendment censorship or Second Amendment right to bear arms? They run to the private sector and threaten them. We just discussed the collusion between the federal government and big tech to censor. In this case, 
the credit card companies are creating a new category for gun purchases. So when the government hits them with a subpoena or not, they can easily attain the offending citizen's transaction record. Just so you understand, if you purchase a gun before this change, it would register at the credit card company as general merchandise or some other broad category. Now it will be changed to make sure it is clear that a firearm or ammo or gun accessories were purchased. Like I said, just another backdoor invasion of our privacy and the Second Amendment. California's recalled and disgraced totalitarian governor Gavin Newsom introduced a package of 40 new green laws and regulations, including standards required for cars to be permitted on California roads, how and when homes can be cooled, the source of electricity allowed to be supplied to homes, and the manufacturing of, every, of everyday appliances and products. None of it contains provisions to increase electricity production in the state. I just want to make that clear. With this next little tidbit, you'll know why I mentioned that. In the middle of the month, I think it was like a Thursday, Gavin Newsom announced that no new gas-fired cars would be allowed to be sold in his state starting in 2030. Four days later, he begged Californians not to charge their electric vehicles because it would put too much strain on the electric grid. People like Newsom and legislators who vote for this shit are mentally ill. There is no other rational explanation. Similar to last month's firing of Mr. Potato Head Brian Seltzer by CNN, this month Trevor Noah announced that he is leaving Comedy Central's Daily Show. And just like Brian's announcement, no one noticed. See, it turns out when you host a comedy show based on current events, you still have to make your audience laugh, and simply parroting the progressives' talking points has no comedic value. The month ended with Hurricane Ian ravaging parts of Florida. More than 2 million people were without power after the Category 4 hurricane slowly made its way across the state from the Gulf. The pictures of the aftermath, especially in the Fort Myers area, are unbelievable. Total devastation in some areas. As of this recording, 65 deaths have been reported. Of course, the loony left and the members of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, tried to blame the storm on climate change. And they were roundly laughed at and dismissed by the normals who have no time to deal with these mentally ill intellectual midgets. And that's the truth about September 2022.